All right, Acts 27, starting at verse 1. Paul in the storm and the shipwreck. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to the centurion named Julius. We belonged to the imperial regiment. Starting going to verse 9. Much time had been lost, and selling had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. So Paul warned them, Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be a be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable in the winter uh, to winter in, the majority decided that we shall sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix in the winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind became, began to blow, they, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, very long, a wind of, uh, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not heed into the wind, add into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to uh, make the lifeboat secure. So the man hoisted aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that next day, they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Man, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared your, yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sell with you. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. Well, good morning, everyone, and happy uh, Labor Day weekend. Hope you guys are doing well and hope you have 
plans to sleep in tomorrow. Thank you for not sleeping in today and making it an effort to be here today. We're talking about, uh, from the message list that I have for you guys, uh, I may be just a tiny bit hot. I'm not sure. I may, may be just a tiny bit loud. Um, there we go. I think that's better if you don't mind, maybe not quite so ringing. But if you look at the message list, you see where we've been and where we are today. Uh, we go to this slide here and we can see all of the ones that we've done. And you see here today, the one in bold is Caesars, Storms and Shipwrecks, part one. There's so much going on in this shipwreck narrative of Paul that I can't fit it all into one message. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't be one that y'all would still be awake for at the end of, especially not on a holiday weekend. Can I get an amen, right? So there you go. I'm giving part of it this week and part of it next week. I just don't want to give you too much where you can't really take it all in and grasp what the lessons are and some of the kind of the backstory. Have y'all, have y'all really thought about it? I don't know if you guys are movie people or series people. I'm more of a series guy these days. I used to think I was a movie guy, but recently I've become a series person because you get a richer amount. You know, you can learn more about their backstory and it gets more and more interesting. And as you look at this passage of scripture that I'm going to be sharing this week and part of next week, you kind of get to know Paul and his backstory a little bit more because we're taking just a little bit more time. So if you look at this next slide, I want to go back a little bit to something, if you recognize Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9 is actually where the Damascus Road experience was. And it's a very interesting thing to see here because the Lord is speaking, God is speaking directly to Ananias, not to Paul, but to Ananias. If you guys don't remember who he was, he was the disciple who went and placed his hands on Paul and said, Brother Paul, or Saul at that time, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And then the Bible says that something like scales fell from his eyes and he was able to see where he could not before. It's a very interesting passage of scripture just before that account, because when God is speaking to him, he's like, you go. And Ananias is like, no, thank you. <laughs> I've heard about Saul. I'd rather not go and face a man who'd love to see me in prison and love even more if I was in the grave. I prefer to just stay right here. Thank you very much, Lord. Uh, I know that none of us have ever felt that way before, where we have a better idea than the Lord. But this is where Ananias is, and he is sent. And God speaks directly to Ananias, and when he does, he says something. And this is what he says. But the Lord said to Ananias, beginning here in verse 15, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And so just real quickly, I want you to notice, it says that they're going to, he's going to be sent to the Gentiles, and then who else is he going to be sent to? What other group of people? The kings, that's where we're getting to today. That message title of Caesars and storms and shipwrecks, we're about to see that he is on his way to go and see Caesar. And we're also going to see that he is already speaking to kings about his life and his faith and what Jesus has shown to him on the Damascus road. We've talked a little bit about it, but we're going to go back and kind of make sure that we don't miss it. So let's go to our next, oh, wait, wait, before we go any further, just notice, he says, I will show him how much he has to suffer for my name. 
And if you've been following along, if you know the story, if you read the book of Acts, you will see how many times Paul has to suffer for the things that he's trying to communicate to the people that he's trying to reach with the gospel. And it is very true that Paul has to go through a many, many different things to suffer, but it's not always uh, easy, but it is always profitable and fruitful. So let's go to our next slide here, and I believe it's a don't miss this. The Lord declared that Paul would stand and proclaim the gospel to kings and rulers 30 years before it came to pass. Now, would you guys say 30 years on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. 30 years. Now, how many of you have ever waited for something for 30 years? Any of y'all? Some of y'all are like, I haven't even made 30 years in my life. I've never waited for anything except for my 30th birthday for 30 years, right? So, For you and for me, whenever we think about God fulfilling something in our life or doing something, we usually measure that in days, preferably, weeks, if we must, months, if we have great faith, and years, if we are hogtied, dragged, kicking, and screaming into God's plan. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, whenever we want something done, we want it done in hours, before days, before all of these others that I just mentioned. Paul is being uh, prophesied over by Ananias. God is sharing something directly with Ananias, and he's saying he's going to speak, and he's going to preach and teach my name before kings. But it does not happen for how long? You just said it just a minute ago. How long? 30 years. Here is a good reminder That whenever we have something that we believe that God is doing, we want it to happen quickly. We believe it would happen and should happen quickly because after all, it's God's plan. But the truth is, is that in your life and in mine, sometimes God's plan takes a lot longer and takes us on twists and turns that we never expected. And this is what we're going to be sharing about today. And here's something to learn as we go to our next slide. The the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen and it gave him rights that non-citizens did not have. One of those rights was the right to not be beaten or imprisoned without a trial. We spoke about this, and this is actually the same exact slide that we shared last week. Citizens were also given the right to appeal to Caesar, essentially that right to be heard before the Supreme Court in their lawful dealings. And so this is important because Paul is facing something that he's not sure if he's going to live through. And when he says, I will live through it, but the only way that I can see it working is if I appeal to Caesar, this is where he begins to fulfill that, God, that thing that God spoke over him 30 full years ago. So let's go to our next slide as we share a little bit more. As they stretched him out to flog him in Acts 22. Let me begin by just simply sharing this. Paul shows up in Jerusalem and the Jews have been hearing about this guy who had the nerve to go and speak to Gentiles about God forgiving them and loving them and welcoming them into the family of God. And they just couldn't handle it and couldn't have it. And so they are freaking out. They look at Paul and they say, we've got to get rid of this man. As a matter of fact, in the scriptures, it says that they literally said, rid the earth of this man. I mean, you know that your people hate you pretty seriously whenever they say, hey, have you ever met Randy? And they're like, yeah, rid the earth of this guy. If we can do that, you know that there's hatred boiling just underneath the surface. And actually later on, there are about 40 men that take an oath 
that they literally will not eat nor drink until they have seen Paul put in the ground as a dead man. So that's not good, right? That is a tough spot to be in, and that's where Paul finds himself. And so there's this big disturbance, there's this big uproar and kind of like a mini riot that happens there in Jerusalem. And so the Roman officials, their idea is, if there's a guy who's causing a problem, we're just going to stretch him out, we're going to beat him half to death, and maybe that'll calm the rest of these people down. And so that's what they decide they're going to do. They grab him, they get ready to flog him, they stretch him out so that his muscles in his back are all exposed and they're ready to start flogging him with a whip. And in the midst of this, Paul basically says, hey, wait just a second. I'm not sure you can do that. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm not just a normal Jewish guy. I'm actually a guy who has Roman citizenship. And they're like, will not go any further because they know they could be in huge trouble to beat or flog a man or even to imprison him without giving him a trial if he's a Roman citizen. So here we go. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who has not even been found guilty? How many of you know that Paul already knows the answer to that question, right? You know, you don't ask that question unless you already know the answer, right? Uh, By the way, just asking for a friend, as they say, And then they said, the centurion heard this. He went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do? He asked. This man's a Roman citizen. The commander didn't believe him. And so he goes and he asks Paul, hey, tell me, are you actually a Roman citizen or is this something false? And he says, yes, I am. Then the commander said, you're just a common, ordinary dude. How is it that you have Roman citizenship? I paid a ton of money And I make enough money to be able to afford to buy Roman citizenship. And Paul says, I didn't have to buy it. I was free born. I was born a Roman citizen, which God uses in his work as he walks this path. And so he says, Paul says, I was born a citizen. And then those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. By the way, interrogate with the whip. And the commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul a Roman citizen in chains. All of this matters because Paul is about to ask that he could appeal to Caesar and they have to say yes. And so suddenly the man who hasn't been before kings for 30 years, even though God said it was going to happen, goes from a man who just seems to be a normal guy going out on different missionary journeys to different places, suddenly is brought into the presence of rulers and governors and kings. And I believe with all of my heart, ultimately brought before Caesar himself, the most powerful man in the world to proclaim God's truth to him at that moment, and it's all done through Paul having Roman citizenship, something he had for all of his life. All right, so here is the big idea. I want to go to this. God's plan is grander than we imagine, but it comes with surprises, detours, and delays. God's plan is grander than we imagine, but it always comes with surprises, detours, and delays. I don't know if you've heard this or not, or if you're involved in projects, but how many of you guys can kind of attest whenever you're dealing with things at your work, that it seems like every project costs about 30% more than it was supposed to and takes about 30% longer than it's supposed to. Can I get an amen, right? Like you, you bid it out, you're like, oh, this is about what it should take. And then it usually takes about 25 to 30% more. I got a banker over here going, yep, that's true. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I will take that nod of a head as being yes, it is true. 
So this is true of us as people. We tend to underestimate the time that it will take, and we tend to underestimate the cost we will have to pay. Do you see how this all pours into what Paul is dealing with? He is called by God, and I'm sure he's like, this is great. And he is even told that he will suffer. And I'm sure he thought, well, you know what? I'm all right with a little bit of suffering. (laughs) But Paul did not deal with a little bit of suffering. He dealt with a lot of suffering. He didn't deal with a little bit of delay. He dealt with a lot of delay. Now, I had this strange experience I had this crazy experience, and I, and I won't tell you all of the details, but I will tell you that I had a, a, a guy who was a close friend of mine, and I confided in him on the phone one day, and I'm talking to him, and he's like, Randy, how you doing? I'm like, man, I'm not doing good. I am not doing good. I thought it was going to be this way, and it turns out it's going to be this way instead. All of this stuff I thought was kind of nailed down and you know, done, it's now something totally different. And I'm looking at the project that I thought I had in front of me. I thought I had the the strength and the ability and the endurance to get it done. And now I look at it and I go, I don't know if I can do this. And he asked me a question and I remember it to this day. His name was James. James says to me, he goes, can I ask you two questions? And I was like, sure. And he goes, where would you rather be than where you are right now? Would you rather be somewhere else? Do you literally want to be somewhere else other than where you are? And I thought for a minute, and it was one of those kind of clarifying, clear the fog kind of statements. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere else. And he goes, if it takes longer than you thought and it's harder than you thought, what does it matter if it gets done? And again, it was just like the fog cleared and I was just like, I don't care how long it takes. I just want to get it done. And I'm just here to tell you that if you are ever finding yourself in this place, like where Paul finds himself standing before the Caesars and dealing with the storms and facing the shipwrecks and all of that stuff, these questions will help you the way they helped me. And I thank God for the wisdom of a friend and a godly counsel that I probably already knew but needed to hear directly from a voice that I knew I could trust. And he said, where would you rather be than where God has you right now? And if it takes longer, why does it matter? Whose timetable are you even on? And I got frustrated because he was speaking way too much truth to me. I was like, how dare you be this honest with me? How dare you, you know? But it clarified things for me and I just got up from that conversation thinking, you know what, whatever it takes to do God's will and fulfill his purpose, if it takes longer and if it's harder, what does it matter as long as I get it done? That's all that matters. And I hope and pray that me sharing this small story with you without a lot of details surrounding it, that you feel the same that you ultimately say, it doesn't matter what I have to suffer. It doesn't matter what I face or encounter. It's harder to go through and experience than it is to kind of mentally assent and go, yep, that's probably gonna be tough. But ultimately what matters is not how long it takes. It's just that you get God's will done in your life. And Paul was willing to wait for 30 years or more to make sure that God's will was accomplished in his life. So again, the big idea here is God's plan is grander than we imagine, 
but it comes with surprises, detours, and delays. Would you guys say it out loud with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. God's plan is grander than we imagine, but it comes with surprises, detours, and delays. Now, I want to sit down one more moment right here. How many of you have ever had something that God was clearly doing in your life, and it turned out very different than you thought, but it was better than you hoped that it would be at the very beginning? Can I see your hands? I mean, literally, I want to see your hands if you've ever had that experience. I've had that experience, and when that happens, this is a reminder that it is not our timetable. It is not our plan, and it is not our blueprint that needs to be the one that's followed. It is always about God, and it always begins, starts, and ends with God. So it's so important that we never forget it. Now, real quickly, I want to kind of harken back to what Peter read just a moment ago. I don't know if you heard that part of the story, but where do we find Jesus in this passage? Here's where we find Jesus in this passage. I want to share this with you every time because Jesus is the through line from Genesis all the way to Revelation, all right? And so we see here Jesus in this passage. He's the one who sends us word in the midst of the storm that while it might not be all great news, there can be both peace and purpose in the middle of our storms. Did you hear what Peter read? Where Paul stands up and he says, guys, I just want you to know that an angel of the Lord appeared to me last night. I wish that we hadn't left when I told you not to leave, but I want you to know something. The angel of the Lord came and stood by me and he promised me something. He promised me that every single one of us would make it through this difficulty that we're facing right now. We're all going to live through this thing that we're not sure we're going to live through. And so this is what Peter just shared with us from Acts 27, and this is where Jesus shows up in this passage. He's the one who shows up and says, hey, not only can you have peace that you're all going to make it, but I'm doing all of this for a purpose. So can I share with you? It's incredibly easy for me to stand here when I'm not the one going through what you are going through or what you will go through because let's call it like it is. For many of us, we might not be in a storm right now, but we might not be that far away from one. And when that happens, it's incredibly easy for somebody like me who's not in the midst of that same storm to say that God can give you peace in it, but he also has a purpose for it. But here's what I know. I can tell you that I've dealt with my share of storms. I've dealt with my share of shipwrecks and failings and detours and all those different things that, talk, that we've talked about. But here's what I do know that if I will listen for the voice of God, I can find peace because he is always speaking peace. He is the refuge in a time of trouble, just like his word promises. And I can also promise you as well that I have always found the purpose, even when it did not seem clear on the surface. And I will tell you that there are things that I still yet have not found the end of, but here is what I know. I've seen enough to have faith that even though I don't know yet, I believe I will know eventually. Can I get an amen on that? If you've had that experience, amen? Like, I believe that God's purpose is there even if I haven't yet found it yet because of what he has done in the past. Now, very quickly, 
Paul appeals to Caesar. We're going to start moving a little quicker here. Paul appears, uh, appeals to Caesar in this next slide. Um, Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, are you willing to go to Jerusalem where they wanted to beat you and kill you? And there's 40 guys waiting for you who want to put you in the ground before they eat or drink again. Would you please go back to Jerusalem? Paul's like, uh, no, I will not do that. And if I have to do something rash here, I will appeal to Caesar before I go back to Jerusalem and hand myself over to the Jews. So that's exactly what Paul says. And I just kind of, you know, condensed it and said what it was. He says, at that very end, I appeal to Caesar. And so this is a big change because suddenly standing before kings and governors is not even the full extent. Paul is now on his way to Rome. And that's where we picked up what, what Peter was reading in a passage of scripture in Acts 27. Let's go to our next slide. Don't miss this again. In the moment, it looked like Paul had made a stupid error. It's so important. Because if you go back and kind of read what's going on, they realize that Paul made this grand gesture, I appeal to Caesar, which probably saved his life. But from the outside looking in, it didn't look like it was necessary. So let's go to our next slide and see what is going on. Paul appeals to Caesar and he's kept under guard in King Herod's palace. Then he goes before Felix and Drusilla, his wife, and she is, by, by the way, Jewish in chapter 24, and so she probably has an interesting understanding of what Paul is sharing. And then he goes before Festus, the governor of the area of Israel. So he's a regional governor, a large area, and that's in chapter 25. And unfortunately, here, two years pass while Paul is held there in the city of Caesarea, waiting for his case to keep moving forward. And then thirdly, King Agrippa, King Herod Agrippa, and his wife Bernice, the last king of Judea, and his wife in chapter 26. That's where Paul recounts that story that we've been sharing about his Damascus road. And so here as we see all of this, he is before the rulers and the kings in these moments all because he did something that in the moment and even looking back might have appeared to be foolish and yet God still was at work. All right, let's keep going here. This second something to learn, we have no direct proof that the Lord ever told the apostle Paul that he would stand and proclaim the gospel to kings and rulers. That declaration was made to Ananias, but Paul never mentions it as part of his charge. But if he knew, he likely would have never envisioned speaking to Caesar while he was in chains. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, we know only that God told it to Ananias. We don't know if he did or did not to Paul. But I can almost promise you that if Paul got a whiff of that, he never thought, I'll stand before Caesar declaring the love of God and I'll do so while I'm shackled in chains. Never the way that he would have expected it, right? And so this is what's going on. So let's keep moving here and talk about this foolish decision. King Agrippa rose and with him the governor and Bernice and all of those sitting with him. And after they left the room, they began saying to one another, this man's not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Why is this important and why am I pointing this out? Because God's plan 
for Paul involved him being before the kings and declaring the truth of God to the most important people in the world at that time. And on the other side was his personal freedom. Paul chose to be, yes, alive, but he also chose to follow God's path rather than simply the one that gave him personal freedom. Because here's the truth. He could have said, hey, hey, I, I, I want to repeal that appeal to Caesar. I'll go back. If you don't think I've really done something that I should have done here by appealing, I'll go back and I'll just head back to Jerusalem. You can set, it, set me free, call it all good. He did not. He said, no, no, no. I stick with my appeal to Caesar and there's tough times ahead, but he will be in front of the most important people in all of the world at that time. All right, so... Let's talk about this. Let's talk about a couple of things. Three storm reminders, I believe, is the next thing that I want to share with you. There's three reminders in our storm. First of all, few of our storms are permanent fixtures in our lives. They're usually seasonal. In other words, these things can blow up out of nowhere and they can dissipate out of nowhere. But when you're in the middle of them, they feel like they are forever, don't they? You've been there. I've been there. The storms feel like forever. I want to go back and read what, by the way, that's Hurricane Harvey. We'll get there in just a quick second. But let me just share something with you very quickly. Verse 13 that Peter read said, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. In other words, it looked like things were smooth sailing. And so they were ready to go on this big trip. But then, before long, a hurricane wind force called the Nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught in the storm, so it couldn't head into the wind. So we just gave way to it, and we were driven along. And as we passed by the lee of a small island called Calda, they were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. In other words, as they were traveling along, they weren't sure that the lifeboat that was being tugged by the rope uh, pulled by the rope behind them was going to stay with them or if it was going to sink. That's how rough the seas were. And so they pulled it in and, and, and cut, it, uh, cut the rope and hoisted it aboard. And then it says they passed ropes under the ship to hold it together. You see, back in those days, it was wooden planks. And so they would literally take a weighted rope and they would send it from one end back underneath and they would tie them so tight because the force of the wind, uh, the wind and waves would break them in half. And the more that you could hold them tight and hold them fast, the better they are. You only do that when things are bad. And that's what was going on. And I want you to hear even more. They lowered the sail and let the ship be driven along. They said, wherever this wind is gonna take us, that's all we can do is just simply ride it out and survive. And then it says, we took such a bat violent battering from the storm that the next day they threw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. What you and I don't know is what that means. That means everything that they could do to steer the ship in any direction, they, it was extra weight that was pulling them down in the waves that were already too big. They took it and threw it overboard and they just said, wherever we end up, if we survive this thing, we'll just figure it out from there. We'll just figure it out from there. Wherever the waves take us and wherever the wind pushes us, that's what we're gonna have to do because if we keep ourselves this low in the waves, we're gonna be sunk for sure. I don't know how else to tell you, it was looking pretty bleak. <laughs> it was looking really, really bleak. 
And I don't know if you guys remember how difficult it was in the midst of Hurricane Harvey and the rain just kept coming. It just kept coming and just kept coming. And the waters just kept rising and rising and rising. I'm not trying to call back a negative situation, but I know your life has been affected by real and symbolic storms that just felt like they would never end. And then suddenly, in the midst of it all, God shows up and things change. I can't always explain it to you and I can't tell you what the timing is. But I will tell you, don't forget that ultimately what you face is for a season most of the time and it will pass eventually. And when it does, know that God was there the whole time. All right, so let's keep moving here. Paul has an I told you so. Is there a better phrase that you can ever utter and mean from the bottom of your heart than I told you so? If there is, maybe y'all can tell me. But man, don't we all just love to say I told you so as a, as a human being? Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. <laughs> then you'd have spared yourselves of this damage and loss. I told you so. I told you so. Now, is Paul really that petty? I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. But there is more going on than just the human pettiness that I personally love so much. He says, but now, just like I told you back then that you didn't have to worry, I'm telling you again, you don't have to worry. Like, he's telling us at that moment, just like I had it right then, I'm having it right now, not one of you will be lost. The ship is gonna be destroyed. This is good news and bad news. Here's the good news. Not one of us is gonna be lost. The bad news is, things are going to get bad and we're probably going to have to bail out of this ship in order to make it alive. So it's good news and it's bad news. But don't miss this. Can, can, can you just not miss this? Our next slide here. This is so important. The Lord didn't have to appear to Paul, but he did so to bring peace to him and to give him the boldness to stand and proclaim the gospel to those around him who needed to hear of God's power and the peace that God can bring. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't have to send the angel, but he did. Why did he do that? So Paul could stand and declare with boldness, God is going to protect you and you will not die, even though everything in this world that you're facing right now makes it feel like it's about to crush you and do you in. You're not gonna die. God said so. And just like I told you we shouldn't leave, I'm here to tell you God said we will make it through. Why does God tell us those things in the midst of our difficult moments? Because he cares. God cares about you. He doesn't just want to go, see, I told you I'd make it through. I'd help you make it through. He instead wants to say in the midst of it all, peace, be still. I will be with you and I will help you as you go through these storms in your life. Let's go to our next slide. As we keep going here, many storms come with warnings before them and the words of peace within them. We just talked about that. And then thirdly, we're never alone in them. We have others around us. God is there and he is at work. And yes, he cares about you. So very quickly, here's a big question and here's the I apply by that we're gonna share and then we'll be done. Maybe you are in the midst of a storm and the question is, are you leaning on others and on God? 
Because ultimately, whatever your storm is, God has others around you to be a support, but he is the main refuge for you. He doesn't just want to point you to his people, but he wants to point you and welcome you into his presence where you actually can be at peace, even in the midst of the worst that you might face. And then if you aren't in a storm, are you learning to lean on others and on God beforehand? And by the way, if you're not in a storm, (laughs) it's not just about you. It is about you and I saying, I'm not in a storm, but I see them, they're in a storm. They probably could use someone. They could hear some voice saying, hey, this will be okay. Can I do something to push you a little bit more towards a harbor in the midst of this storm that you're facing? Could I be an encouragement to you in the midst of this storm? Because for most of us, We have made our Christianity so much about us and us alone that we forget that if we're not in the midst of a storm, we can be a lighthouse to people who desperately need something like that in their life. So I encourage you, if you can, find somebody who is in a storm and turn around and be a blessing to them. So here's how you apply this message two ways very quickly. Look for someone you know who is in a storm in their life and be a blessing to them this week. And then secondly, develop a rhythm of growth that includes both knowledge and grace. That is exactly what I've been sharing with you for the last three or four weeks. And the reason is, is that knowledge will help you and a leaning on the grace will make it real experientially that ultimately we all face storms, just like Paul did, even in the midst of God's will. But when we face storms and when we find ourselves this close to a shipwreck, the truth is, is that God is still there with us and he is our strength and our refuge and ever-present help in the time of trouble according to his own word. We don't have to be strong in the storm. We have to be connected to the one who is already strong in the midst of our storms.